are you doing to create your dream life or your best self? Why do we see some thrive through challenges while others struggle? Welcome to Effort, a podcast where I talk about the main Fs in my life that have helped me in creating my best self. Faith, family, forgiveness, food, fitness, and formula. Hi, my name is Amy Ledeen, and most would say that I've had my fair share of struggles, whether it was placing my baby for adoption at 18, facing my marriage-ending affair, or battling stage four cancer for almost seven years, it's safe to say that I've been through a lot. Join me as I take you through my story, my journeys, and share with you the tactical strategies every single week that will help you thrive and overcome anything you face. That's right, I'm gonna show you how to create a future self that you'll be proud of. So buckle up, get ready for the ride as I take you through my story and bring other guests on that have helped me along the way. Hi guys. This podcast is one that is so special to me today, and most of you that have followed me for some time know that Ed Milet is at the top of my list when it comes to people that have had a massive impact on my life. His podcast is consistently holding down the top 50 on Apple Podcasts, and he is in the top 50 wealthiest under 50. He's a leading speaker in the business space, and with his podcast and YouTube channel teaches millions how to elevate and maximize their lives. His energy and ability to connect with people is something that we should all strive to be like. I know I do. I found Ed and his podcast while heading to a chemotherapy treatment a couple years ago. It was his episode called Unlocking Your Success Code, and I had a moment in the car where I knew I needed to find a way to be around him and learn from him. Fast forward two years later, we are sitting down for this episode, and the story to get here will be on a later episode all about being obsessed with your goals. But I wanted this to be one of my very first episodes I released and recorded. And while I was so nervous interviewing Ed, in his gracious ways, he made me feel like we were just having a fireside chat. Even after we finished, he was so selfless in finding ways to encourage me and mentor me. That's just the guy he is. So here it is, guys. I'm so happy I get to share this one with you. Okay, so Ed, I don't think I can ever do an intro justice, and this is why I wanted to make sure I had that out of the way and really edify you and just show you in any way I can the impact that you've had on my life just to date. And so, you know, when I thought about this day and this opportunity, because I knew, you know, this would be coming, um, the thing that I wanted to talk to you originally about was anchoring and the things that you taught us that first lesson at Arte. And then as time went on, and I've learned so much through your podcast, um, you know, blissful dissatisfaction and, you know, changing your temperature. Um, it's crazy that the timing today, we're back at anchoring with me just recently getting put back on chemotherapy. I've, I've had so many tests with waking up and going back to old mindsets and things like that. So I thought, wow, what better time than to have you on here. So thank you so much for coming on today. Well, I love you and I'm glad to be here. And I want to tell you, um, I'm so glad I get to tell you this, but you know, you changed my life too. And one of the techniques I do that we won't cover today, I do these mental thing called emotional floods where I like picture people on certain topics. And I've met thousands of people in my life. I'll be 50 years old next year. And when I go through one, what I call courage and strength, a flood of people, I flood into my, my, my heart, and you're one of those people. It's a very small list of people. Like You're the face of strength and courage for me amongst just a few faces. So you've made a huge difference in my life too. I guarantee you, 
you don't know how much. So this is an honor for me. This is great. Wow, that means so much. So, you know, that's funny you say that about me. Well, in my phone today, if you go into my notes, I have an anchor, you know, thing that I practice in. I've named this one, you know, cyborg anchoring slash best self slash let's get loud. And my first thing in there is you're unlocking your success code podcast. And wow. then it's fueling your flame. Oh. So um, <laughs> I, I, I love that. Um, so one of the first times I met you, you know, in person, you took us through this practice and you taught us to touch our, our knuckle and go to these happy places. And you talked about this helping us change our vision and state. So I, I immediately came home. And of course, I'm such a, I love doing the, the, the do work. So I, I went and made my say it, see it cards. I, I took my, my practice and I came home. But then when I went to go explain this to people, I was uh, kind of like, well, so can you kind of walk me through that and, and what you were teaching us that day? Yeah, I'm gonna do it a little bit more basic version, but, and also I wanna teach it to you differently so you can use it a little bit differently too. But really, you already anchor things all the time. So that's what humans do, we anchor. So that's why when you hear a song from your childhood, it takes you right back to that time. That song is an anchor to a time and place or state, right? And so, or if you saw a picture of something, it's, think about it, you see an old photograph, it's just a picture of two humans, but that picture is an anchor to a state or a time, right? Or you see a picture of someone that has passed away that you love, and you see that picture and it makes you emotional just looking at a photograph of them. It's just a piece of paper or something on a phone. It's an anchor to a state. So a lot of us have anchors that are unconscious. And if we're not careful, this will be a long answer, but if we're not careful of our anchors, they can harm us too. If you've been in a room where you got bad news before, okay, believe it or not, there are elements in that room that anchor you back to that state. If you've ever had a day where you go, I don't even know why, I'll give you a perfect example. If you, um, I went to my grandfather's funeral and I sat on the front row. This is deep stuff, but you want it, so here we go. Yeah. I sat on the front row of the day that my grandfather died. My grandfather was my main hero, named after him, Edward III. And I don't know how to explain it, but you all probably have that person, hopefully you've had in your life, that just they're the one that made you feel the most special about you. Yeah. That was my papa. And my dad was sick when the funeral happened. So I went back to my grandfather's funeral without my family. And he lived in Boston, I lived in California. Anyway, when I was at the funeral, I sat in the front row. It was a very down day for me. And every day when people would see his casket all day long, they'd come back and pat me right here. You know, people do that, right? Yeah. Everyone would walk by, I was in the front row, they'd pat me on my right shoulder. I can do it now, because it's okay. And so I had like 100 people that day pat me on the shoulder, my condolences, I loved your grandfather, blah, blah, blah. But it was a very sad day. Well, it anchored that touch at that emotional state, anchored that touch to that state. And for many, many years, I have these really bad days and I'm like, what is wrong with me, right? Like everything's good, why do I feel this way? You all relate to this. Right. And I started to deduce that one of the anchors for me was this. And so when I'd see people, even on the golf course, they'd hug me or pat me right here, it would trigger this state. That's how it works, guys. Music touches. So what an anchor is, is that when you get into a peak state of something, and you do something physical, it anchors the state. So even I'm doing it right now, I don't even mean to do it, but one of my peak states is snapping of my fingers. So what I do to get in a peak state when I'm a little bit fatigued is I've already created anchors and triggers that help me move into those states. So how do you do it? It's really simple. You get into an elevated state of emotion, 
and repetitively do something physical. And when you repeat you. physical touch, or it could be a word, but for most part, it's a touch is easiest. If you get into the state and you do a touch repetitively, you will anchor that touch to that state. That's how your mind and your body work in connection to one another. That's how they build congruency together. And so you can take control of this. You can get into a state of complete bliss and laughter and ecstasy and do a, a snap. And if you do it enough times, you've anchored that physical move to that state. You can do that, by the way, you ever watch people sort of escalate a negative state? There's things they do, there's words they use that magnify their anger and you see them go off because those are anchors to them. So what I taught you that day was how to anchor bliss, how to anchor happiness, how to anchor ecstasy, how to anchor peak energy performance. And so you don't need a whole bunch of them, but all you have to do is go look at an athlete. An athlete, you ever watch him, Tom Brady before a game, let's go, Peyton Manning, Omaha, right? Or it's a touch they do. They grab their towel. You'll watch a professional golfer go through a real quick physical routine before a putt. A baseball player, ever seen them adjust their batting gloves? What are they doing? It wasn't tight enough? No. It's, they don't know. It's anchoring that peak focus state. It's anchoring it, right? So you can do that as an everyday person. And what I would recommend you do is start out with very basic things that you begin to want to anchor. And you won't see it immediately. And you'll come back in a month or two and go, my gosh, I can get into that state when I need to. So and for me, it's one of the easiest ones is when I'm working out, I'm at that peak physical energy state. I do something physical, whether it's touch my chest or snap my finger or grab your right ear or whatever it might be. And when you do that repetitively enough over a week or two, it can actually just be in one session. But if you do it over a week or two, you'll be sitting at your office tired one day and you go, Bam, and your body goes back into that state. It's taking control of your state is what anchoring is. And so I do that on a lie of like, I probably have 50 anchors. But if I, could give, if I could give a human being a gift, it would be to have two or three. Okay, or three. I'm, I'm gonna go now and do one in my gym this week because that's one place that I have not done it. And I can see now. It's the easiest easiest, Amy, is, is uh, when you're in a peak physical state. I'll give you one more. If you're a praying person, that peace that comes over you when you pray, you can replicate that state if you're willing to do something physical. Now, it's really weird. I didn't know I did this. I'm going to share something with you. And you've heard me say this before. I, this one just dawned on me recently. I was raised Catholic. And so we kneel down when we pray. I'm old school. When I pray with my kids every night, I kneel when we pray. They sit in bed. I kneel and um, so such a trip. So I kneel when I pray. I've done it like, I don't know, 60,000 times or whatever it is, right? It's not that many. But. So about a month ago, I'm golfing and my back went out. And so my partner's playing and I end up on my knees in this very painful state, but I end up on my knees exactly in the position I pray in. And my head's kind of down, my back's excruciating. And I have this tremendous peace come over me. And I'm like, how weird. I'm on a golf course. I've had three tequilas and a cigar and my back's hurting. This is not a praying state. It was the exact, because that was an anchored position for me physically to that emotional state. If that makes right. any sense to everybody. And that so. is what I think blows me away is when that physiology yes. and psychology 
come together. And it's one thing, you know, when you taught me this and gave me awareness, now I'm able to kind of play it both ways where I can control a little bit of the physiology that's coming because I can start to work on the mind and vice versa. I mean, I can, you can psych yourself out, right? The same way and actually have a physiological response. So I'm so fascinated. And by the way, you could, let's say you never got good at this. Let's say you go, I just, I couldn't get it, which is very easy, by the way, to get. This sounds so much more complicated than it is. Get in an emotional state, trigger it. Get in an emotional state, trigger it. Do it enough times, that triggers it. There was a guy when we, I was a kid, I'm too much older than you. There was a guy when we were a kid on TV called Soupy Sales. Everybody can go Google him. And evidently one day, my mom still tells the story, something happened where he jumped into the TV. He was like this kind, sweet man, but he scared me when I was like two years old, he jumped like somehow into the TV and it scared me. I started screaming, crying. And all my upbringing, when Soupy Sales would get on TV, I'd get this horrible feeling in my body. And I'm like 15 years old, the man was almost dying. I said to my mom, I go, I hate this effing guy. She's like, I know why. I go, I've wondered this forever. Why do I hate this guy? He's like the Mr. Rogers for kids TV. And she's right. like, you were a little baby. He scared the hell of you. She says, I can't believe you're 15 and you're still hanging on to that. It was an instant anchor. Wow. So, and you guys, when you have a real emotional experience, there's an anchor that happened. If something has happened to you in your childhood that wasn't favorable, it could be men. Literally men are an anchor if it's so extreme. If you all know what I'm, you can read between the lines, right? It could be right. a certain age. So the cool thing about knowing that is, is that once you know you have these anchors, maybe when you begin to experience states that aren't suitable for you, you can go, this is just something anchored. There's no reason for this. I'm not really scared right now. I don't really have anxiety. It's a trigger and an anchor of mine and it loses its negative power over you too. So sorry to be so long winded, but you wanted to cover it. So No, I want it. And that actually leads really well into, you know, you know, thinking of your past and, and you, most people, I mean, hopefully they're going to go and listen to all the podcasts that I note in here from you that, you know, people that meet you now go, oh, you're just disciplined and you're just this way already. And it's like your natural thing. It's something I thought about everyone that I started to meet in this successful space and then, you know, I realized, you know, you used to call yourself Eddie Spaghetti. Yeah. Um, what did you, what have you done in your life to get from, say, Eddie Spaghetti to what I consider a master evangelist? Has there been some anchoring involved in that? You mean in the communication part or how I feel about myself? Which part? How you feel about, how you feel about yourself. Yeah, uh, tons. I'm screwed. I um, was so low self-esteem, as you know, because you and I have talked about it, but so, you know, when you see somebody who sort of has their act together, you think on this stuff, they probably were way worse than you because they had to become addicts for this type of content. I had to become an addict for personal development and, and, and strategies to improve my self-esteem, self-respect, self-confidence to function at a baseline as a human. You know what I mean? And then once I was a functioning baseline human, then it just became something I got addicted to. So for me, it's, I'm a really weird dude. I love science and I love spirit. So I want, I'm a very spiritual person, as you know, but I also want to scientifically understand why things happen. Like I'm a Christian, yet I know there's a quantum field that God created we can plug into that vibrates that we can go get access to. Like they're not mutually, 100. right? So um, 
I've worked really hard on learning stuff that serves me. So whether it's brain techniques or my identity stuff, I'm a crazy reader. But like when I read, I don't read normally. I read, I pretend the author's personally mentoring me. Like they're just speaking to me. I am a psycho about guarding my associations. Like psycho about it. And to my own detriment, I'm a bit, you've been in a group with me, a coaching group, and I know you would tell people this, like he's a little bit more of a loner and harder to know than maybe some people might think. Now you and I connected immediately, but I'm guarded. Not, not guarded like I don't love people. I love everybody. But guarded like proximity is influence. And so I'm super crazy about who I allow into my existence because let me be clear with you. You all heard that before. Guard who's close to you. Why? Because all the stuff that you don't like about yourself was pretty much installed by another human in proximity to you. So I, I lived 18 years with software installed viruses by other people in my proximity that I had to learn to overcome for the next 30 years. And so once I start unpeeling these things by people in, and you all are nodding right now, you're going, my God, that's so true. These people in my proximity when I was young and defenseless, whether it was your parents or teachers or other kids at school or somebody in your proximity when you couldn't defend it intellectually, emotionally, installed these things in you. And then this weaker version of you as you became an older woman or man was susceptible to more of it by people in your proximity because you didn't have the defenses or the self-respect and it becomes this vicious cycle of combining of negative influences. So for me, if I'm finally gonna get free of most of these viruses, you think I'm gonna let people around me with new ones? You're crazy. This coronavirus is really fascinating and I don't mean to downplay it because it's extraordinarily stressful and so many people are suffering but I've been practicing social distancing most of my damn adult life. <laughs> right? you are, you're keeping distance from me unless I know you're a positive influence in some way because I will catch your viruses in my heart and my mind. Agreed. So that's why I do it. And I don't think, I, I love that you say psycho because I say the same thing. I love when you say like, I am obsessed because I don't think people realize the degree that people like you go to protect these things, to practice new skills. Like it's a, it's an ongoing thing. And in terms of like that protecting your environment, I mean, Joe Dispenza in one of his interviews and it really hit me. The last question he was asked by someone was, you know, what is one thing you think people, you know, underestimate that they continue to do? And he said, it's the last, the last thing you watch before you go to bed. It's that same thing, that association, what you're allowing in. He goes, if people only knew the power of what you're listening to, watching, associating with before you go to sleep every night, it would make you change that. And Can so, yeah. I'm curious for you. By the way, Joe's, you know, one of my best friends. And uh, I, some of the things I share, I've got from Joe. Hopefully I've shared some things with him too. He's wonderful. He's brilliant. Um, I'm curious with you. You've gone through, you're the real deal. Like, <laughs> you're the real deal. Like, Everyone's got a theory about what happens when adversity hits and all that. But what's one thing with you as you went through the hardest of hard times? What's the one thing that got you through it? Was it faith? Was it techniques and strategies? Was it Eric? And by the way, I know all of those were positive things. But what was, what's, what's one thing that might surprise people that you utilized to give you strength and courage? You, let's just be real. You're super humble. Like you're extraordinary. 
Like, not only did you kick, kick all these situations asses in your life, but like at some of the worst times I knew you were going through, you were contributing to other people during those times. And I knew kind of privately how rough it was, yet you would never know. So I'm just curious. I've always wanted to ask you that. So it's your show. So share one thing. Oh, gosh, I think my faith. I mean, I, I don't think anything can ever surpass your faith. I think what it is, though, for me, the separator was really learning what faith was. And most people, just like even decision making, most people don't make decisions and most people don't have faith. Mm-hmm. I didn't have there was not a price that I was willing to change my belief and that, you know, I had to go all in. And, you know, sometimes when I did, I think that was important that I had to learn that you are going to have times where you don't always have that faith. But it's that overriding and you know one time Eric came to me and he's like I mean either you're in or you're out like you either believe or you don't and it made me I'm like well then it's all in I go so I think that was you know the big the big thing but a but also um daily practice almost hourly if I'm being honest like when you were at a place of you don't have you know when I was told last time I had maybe four four to six months the fear you really do go to fight or flight in your brain And to be able to switch that off, it's really, really hard. And like waking up in the morning, you will immediately go into reactive. And I was telling my girlfriends the other day, I said, you know, you ever buy like a new car or get something new in your life where you actually go to bed and when you wake up, you want to go like, see if it's still there, right? This time when when I got the news and had to go back on chemo, I had the negative effect of that where when I woke up, my brain first went to, this just really can't be real. You know, and I had that for about a week this time where I still felt like even at like day six, I was going to be in this like dream. Like this was just really a long dream, but it's the day, it's the hourly anchoring. It's doing the practice that, you know, you've taught, I have one, one of mine is, you know, I, my, I have, um, I squish my feet on the floor as soon as my feet touch the carpet. It's my, and that practice, my actual doing that I have anchored to go right to gratitude. And actually the fact that I'm feeling it is I'm alive. I'm here today. You know, so I've taken, you know, that one um, and, and used it. But Where'd you get that? The one with your feet? I just, when you taught the anchoring that day, this is the funny thing. I took that home and I started using it. And that's why I'm glad I asked this. I started using it on landmarks. So like my driveway, for example, I took the corner of my wheel of my car and I did it 50 times where when I hit the driveway, I would go to a gratitude state. Yes. So that each time I hit my driveway now, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I could be yelling at my kids and yes. I will immediately go to, oh, you know, yes. I got this. So, so awesome. I'm glad you said that. With my carpet. Because guys, like you can create, I'm so glad you just said that. You can create, one of the things I was telling Amy originally was you can create environments that when you enter them, you know they trigger the state and, and think through, where are you going to go? Your car, your office, your front door. What if when you hit the car handle, it triggered that state of strength or courage or gratitude. But I got to tell you something on the, on the uh, foot thing. It's awesome. You just, God's so good when you're in flow, right? Like, so the first anchor I ever had ever had was, I guess I'm so fortunate. I'm 30 something years old, right after that, my heart, my heart issue. I'm running on the beach in Hawaii. I won a contest to go to Hawaii. I'm running on the beach. It's dark. It's like five in the morning. So I'm, now I'm going to get rewarded for getting up early. And this other, I think I told you this before, maybe I didn't. Running 
I can see a guy running from the beach coming the same other direction. We're going to pass each other. He gets closer and closer and closer. And I look, I hope your audience knows who this is. I look and I turn, it's Wayne Dyer. Dr. Wayne Dyer, right? Yeah, right? And like one of my heroes and mentors, right? And so we're running. I'm a kid. I got a Sony Walkman. That tells you how long ago it was. And I let him get further. I'm a little bit nervous. And he gets further. And I finally rip my headphones off. And he isn't running with music on. He's just running. And I go, Dr. Dyer. And he stops. And he turns. He's sweating. He's bald. You know, wing with bald. And I said, I just want to thank you for changing my life. And he turns to me and he goes, I didn't change your life. You changed your life. And I said, well, thank you for helping me. And he goes, well, how'd I help you? And he walks towards me and we end up sitting on the beach for over an hour. And I sat and watched the sun come up with Wayne Dyer as a 32 year old young man. The reason I tell you that story was he said, uh, well, tell me what some of your routines are. And he goes, I'll just give you one. And here's what he gave me. It was the, I didn't know it was an anchor at the time. I learned later. But he goes, when I get up in the morning, I, I turn around in the bed and I put my feet on the ground. And when my feet touch the ground, I say, God, thank you for another day. Just thank yeah. you. Thank you for one more day. Thank you. And he said, I thank God three times. And then I get up and go on with my day. Now, I don't even know if Wayne knew this, but that was an anchor. You imagine if you do that over and over. And so what I do in the morning, Amy, this is so awesome. I don't squish my feet in the floor, but I put my feet in the floor and I go, thank you. Thank you, God, for another day. Wow. And I've been doing that for 32, about 16 years. And that's wow. my anchor. So I just, it's amazing that you just said that as your anchor. It blows my mind. That is crazy. And it's amazing because it's right away. You know, I like it first thing in the morning. I mean, if we're looking at it from like that strategy place, it's, you know, I couldn't afford to wait a few few minutes, to be honest. That's how bad my mind was waking up sometimes. And a lot of people that wake up reactive, they don't realize like that can set it. I've anchored so many good things from doing that little action that, I mean, even Eric, Eric's like, man, there is no way to get you in a bad mood at 4 a.m. Like mm-hmm. there just won't be because I'm, I'm alive and I'm here. Mm-hmm. And then taking it, you know, I call it the Joe Dispenza level. So like, let's take the audio clip of, you know, when you and Andy gave me that award. I actually took that audio clip, I put it into a mind movie, um, it's like a, a program that Joe has, and that becomes part of my identity shift video that I watch when I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling like I can't show up, I can go watch you know, this whole thing. So again, something that you, you know, brought and, and that kind of leads into, you know, my audience is way big into health and wellness, you know, and it's something that I know you don't talk a lot about it now, but I've read, I mean, I've listened to every single one of your podcasts and you even have a, a, an episode where you went through this. And I loved that you talked about it being a catalyst for change. And I truly, we believe this as coaches in, at LBC in our company. And um, we know that most people to lose fat, they need like say a strategy, but to keep it, it's, it's, it's about really changing who you are, right? And, and how you as Ed Milet today, no longer diets or follows a program. It's, it's truly who you are. Yeah. So did you do you create little anchors around your health because i mean staying lean and shredded i mean let's i mean i don't i'm not even like exaggerating here you stay lean you're fit you're in shape and i know how hard that is to to keep i mean the stats are that 95 percent of people will gain their weight back within five years of losing it and it says they don't know they only know how to 
change temporarily, right? They, mm-hmm. they haven't changed. It's like someone that gets a lot of money, right? If they've not changed their identity. So what do you do on a daily basis? Because I know the, these people are listening to really show up. Okay, great question. Um, I, I got to acknowledge you and Eric, though. So I thought I knew a lot about the body and what I put in it and how it works. I just want to say this to you. I've learned a lot from listening to you guys. And, 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 and Eric's made a few posts that flew against conventional wisdom. And then I researched what he was teaching. And I'm like, turns out he's right. So, so I'm, I'm kind of a crazy person about understanding it. But again, I have a big anchor. And then I'll give you a couple things I do. So I had a heart attack before that run. Um, when I was 30, it's genetic in my family. I don't know why it chokes me up, but I had an odd, an odd doctor who was superhuman, who got le- understood leverage and anchoring and triggers. I don't know how he knew, but he knew. So I'll give you this quick story. I had the heart attack and then I had to go do this scan and, um, they do the scan and the way it works is you do the scan, then they got to review it. You go to lunch and you come back. It was at Cedar Sinai. So I do the scan. I literally left, ate a burrito at lunch. No joke. Terrible. And I came back and this doctor knew everything about me, but he played me to anchor. So here's what he did. I walk in. There's two people in the entire lobby. I'm one of them. And he walks in. He goes, looking for Edward Milet. And he kind of looks around and I go, and he knew my name. I said, I'm Edward Milet, which he knew. I found out later. And he goes, he's looking at my chart. He goes, whoa, he had these glasses on. I can't believe these arteries are in that young a body. He goes, come on back, son. And I'm like, what the hell? We get back yeah. there. What's a normal doctor do? Hey, you're 30% clogged here, 50 there. Take Crestor. Here's some blood pressure medication. Stop eating so much fatty food. Bye. It's not what he did. That wouldn't have anchored any state. So he says to me, he goes, puts my chart down. He closes it. He goes, let me ask you a question. You married? Which he knew. And I didn't know. And I go, Yeah. How long you known her? I go, I met her when I was five. He goes, I heard she's pretty hot. I go, she's really hot, man. And he goes, <laughs> I heard that. And he goes, let me ask you a question. How would you feel about some other guy having breakfast with her and your kids? I went, what? He goes, I'm asking you a question. How would you feel if some other guy was in your house having breakfast with her and your kids because you were gone? And now I'm going, what the fuck is in this chart, right? Right. And so then he goes, you got a daughter, I heard. How old is she? I said, six months. He goes, how do you feel if another man walks her down the aisle on her wedding day? I'm like, not good, dude. What? You, if you want to get to a dad, talk about his daughter on the wedding day, right? I go, right. what are you talking about? And for some reason, that hit me harder than the construction worker with my wife at the breakfast table. I don't know why, right? But, but, but it hit me. And I said, what? And he goes, listen to me, young man. If you keep going down the road you're going, some other dude's going to be there at breakfast and another man's walking your little girl down the aisle on her wedding day. Do you hear me? And I went, yes, sir. And he goes, I'm going to give you some good news. If you do what I tell you to do with a little medication, nutrition, and your, your, sup, your uh, diet, the way you eat, you'll be there on that wedding day. If you don't, you're going to be long gone. You may not be there at kindergarten graduation. And then he told me what to do. Now, here's why I tell you that story. Literally hundreds of mornings I've woken up at four after I've flown all night. I've been asleep for two hours and I got a busy day and I go, I'm going to go to the gym later. And let me tell you what happens. Bella's wedding. Bella's wedding. Mm. Bella's wedding. I've had hundreds of mornings, Amy, where I go, Bella's wedding. Bam, my ass is up and in the gym. So I'm not disciplined. I have huge anchors and reasons, number one. 
Okay, long answer, but you gotta know the truth. That's right. why I'm pretty fit. And then the second thing is, as you know, I'm really, uh, here's how I look at it. If I'm a mess in my family life, my faith life, or my nutrition life, it'll eventually be a mess in my business life. I'm one man. And so if I have standards and disciplines and routines in one area, I have them in others. So I take great self-confidence and pride in eating what I tell myself I'm going to eat, training when I tell myself I'm going to train. And these are all little deposits in the Ed Milet uh, um, identity and self-confidence. Like when I eat a clean broiled chicken salad for lunch, it's not just feeding my body. I'm a psycho. Again, remember? I go, no one's this crazy to eat like this. And it's become my identity and who I am. So I not only take steps, Amy, I give myself deposits and credits for doing it and it feeds the beast, so to speak. So I love that. So I'm, yeah, and I know you're this way too. So I like, I I have a little healthy yogurt that I have right here that I ate just a few hours ago for my uh, couple hour snack. I ate it, but I was also like, I'm eating clean. I'm eating clean. So it's all one man. My my eating feeds my energy, feeds my self-confidence, feeds my identity, and it's all one behavior. And that way, when I want to eat a piece of cheesecake, I don't feel bad because it's, it, this is not who I am. This is, a, this is an aberration, right? And so I do eat. I do have fun. I had, a, I had a whole pizza about two weeks ago, right? I don't do it often, but I, I, I allow myself to be a human being. Right. But I, I think do. that's the difference. I think it's because you've won. It's kind of like you get obsessed with something. You get really good at it, okay? And yeah. then you can get to the maintenance phase where, yes, you still, it's still a daily practice. You know, I think that's what a lot of, at least my audience, it's like, there's the separator and I'll see people that are really good at following a program. And then the moment they have the opportunity, like say it's a weekend away at the cottage, what are you packing? I'm, I mean, I'm all, you know, I'm a work hard, play hard. I'll eat the pizza and I'll have the drinks. But if my lifestyle looks nothing like it's represented there at all on the weekend, then I'm just following a program. I'm really not a change person, right? Whoa, very good. You know, the other thing maybe you have too, what's happened over time is my tolerance level for the variation is smaller. So in golf, they call it disbursement or dispersion, excuse me. Dispersion is how far offline the golf shot can go. I'm a terrible golfer. My dispersion is gigantic. If I'm trying to hit it at point A, I can hit Z. My son, who's a much better golfer, misses his target, but his dispersion is much smaller. So for me and my body, over time, my dispersion's smaller. Like what I'm comfortable tolerating as a lack of fitness, if that makes any sense. So it's a few pounds here or there now. It's not that I don't gain weight, but it's my dispersion, frankly, is like three or four pounds. And then, bam, I get back. Does that make sense? Yes. And this is where, and this is, this leads right into our last thing with what I know that I think everyone knows you for, and that is keeping your promises and how, you know, I love that you have taught about being enough and that you are enough right now. And this is like the big separator with what you teach versus sometimes other people is that while we are still enough, when you are loving yourself, you do show up as a better version of yourself, period. And you keep those promises, correct? Yes. No, you say it better than I do. Let's just let you say it. (laughs) Um, No, you do. Listen, change is inevitable. You have trillions of cells in your body that are remaking themselves all the time. You remake your whole digestive tract and lung tissue in a matter of days, right? So it's natural 
to be evolving and changing and growing. There's this great debate in personal development. Okay, let's just be real. There's a whole group that goes, you gotta hate yourself in order to change. You can't love yourself if you suck, right? That's one group. The other group is just love yourself and be the way you are. Neither to me is true. So I love myself, I accept myself. You can't really truly love yourself if you're not being yourself. But the process of loving oneself is the desire to grow. Yes. So it's the desire to get better. So I accept that in this moment for today's show, the me who didn't get this would go back afterwards and go, I messed that up, I didn't say this, I should have said it that way, Ah, right? No, I'm uh, perfect for this moment right now. You're perfect in this moment for right now. This is, and let me tell you why. My, Wayne Dyer wrote a book that changed my life called The Power of Intention. And so I give myself, my self-confidence comes from keeping promises, but let me give you the other thing I give myself a whole lot of credit for. I intend to do good. I intend to do well. Not enough people with low self-confidence give themselves credit for just their intentions being good. You know, if you're listening to you go, yeah, I'm struggling with keeping my promise. How about this? Do you intend to help people? Do you intend to do well? Do you intend to care for others? Do you intend to love people? How about a little deposit in the credit bank for that? And so I do that all the time. Now, as much as we're perfect in this moment, this version of both of us won't be ready for the next moment. And so it's a matter of I'm perfect in this moment, I'm made in the image and likeness of God, we're both intending to serve, we're both intending to grow, and we need to love ourselves in this moment and love ourselves enough to be prepared and grow into the next moment. And it's interesting, I mean, I have to tell you this, and I don't know how it fits, but just Holy Spirit's telling me to say this to you. There's some lesson in that for you right now in what you're going through. And there's this, I mean, really there is for you. And it's just occurring to me right now, and I'm not exactly sure how I would process the words for you, but it's a matter of accepting and loving you right now in the moment you're in that you're perfect and beautiful and amazing and wonderful in this moment and that everything's okay and that you're blessed and God and the universe loves you. And yet to know that you have to fight for the next moment, right? The next version of you has got to be stronger to prepare for the next moment. But this version of you is alive. This version of you helping. This version of you is making a difference for every person who's hearing this right now. You're right where you're supposed to be. And if you didn't have these circumstances, it wouldn't be you. But now that, per- that woman who's so perfect in this moment has to be better for the next moment, has to be better for the next situation, has to be ne- better for the next day, the next minute, right? So there's, this whole conversation today was for that for you and your understanding of it to process it. Because you're, you're, you, that's, that's, that's the moment you're in right now, much more than most people listening to this are in that moment. I really, really appreciate that because I'm, I'm visualizing tying it to what you always say is that you have this person that you hope to see at the end of your life, right? And you hope to recognize them. And in the last couple of weeks, I've, I've had a lot of defeating moments where I've said, I'm tired of this crap. Like, I do not want to do this again. Like, I'm not, like, and, you know, not feeling like I'm ready to fight it. But Mm -hmm. you're right. And it's, it's, you know, the timing couldn't be better. You know, today as I was getting ready for this and I literally couldn't eat all day, I was very, very nervous. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Eric goes, he goes, just tell Ed that you're nervous. He goes, of all people, Amy, to walk you through this one. I mean, Ed will have your back. I don't only have your back. I believe in you. You look back on it, Amy. If I'd have told you before this journey of yours started that you were this tough, this resilient, 
you said, no effing way. But really what happened was you were perfect then. And then you were perfect the next day and the next day and the next day. And, and the same journey is going to be true. Listen, you're eventually going to meet that woman someday. It's just not now. Right. right. And it's not going to be right. time, but you are going to meet her someday and you'll meet her on the day that you choose to. And in the fashion that you choose to, the amazing thing is, is that if you weren't going through all this, your message wouldn't have the impact it's having on people. Like you're the only person in the world right now who can do what you're doing right now. You're it. I mean, I want you to think about that. Like you're the only person on the spinning earth of 8 billion people who's capable of impacting people, having your perspective and delivering it in the way that you're so gifted to do. Who'd have known all this work you were doing on anchoring and personal development, all these things would also be combined with the circumstances you're going through. And you meet me and then we're doing a show together. It was all supposed to happen. It was all supposed to happen. And it's the perfect moment. And you know what? There'll be a different moment, equally perfect coming soon. Different and equally perfect. Oh. It's just true. So I love it. I love it. And this ended up being you like coaching me here. So I've, I'm, I'm so, so thankful Ed for this and just you coming on here and, and talking with me today and, and really, you know, bringing it all back to keeping those promises to ourselves and, and how that's what really makes us feel the best at the end of the day. Like it's, it's crazy how even in the crappiest of crappy days, I still keep that, you know, what do I need to do to keep my promises to myself? And at the end of the day, that's really what we're chasing. We think we're chasing the external. I mean, I know a lot of my audience, that's always what they think they're chasing. They're, they're chasing that, you know, future self. If only they would realize that the process is really, it's the whole journey there, right? Through it. Yeah. Um, you don't have to chase them. You'll become them. It's one of the things Joe talks pretty eloquently about. You don't have to chase them. In fact, if you could accept that you're that person now, you'll be that person in the next moment. And I know it sounds really hokey and theoretical. It's an absolute fact that you're perfect in this moment. And that if you could just accept that, you'd be so much happier and so much more ready to get to the next one. If you're always chasing the next version of you, right. how are you ever happy in this moment? How are you ever happy in this moment if you're always chasing the next version of you? Just think about that intellectually. I'm going to get to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one until there's no next one. It is. And so and it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And the truth is I'm proof that you can love you right now, do all the work and you'll be into the next moment. So I'm chasing the ultimate version of me and that ultimate version of me, this sounds really theoretical. The ultimate version of me, is able to be present in each moment on the way there. That's the key thing for me. I finally dawned on me about five years ago. I am chasing that dude and I'm not him yet, but I get to him by being present and loving each moment until I get there. Right. That's so it's like, I love myself here, but this is what I have to look forward to. If yeah. I continue to cultivate these types of. Yeah. And the, the, the sad one is this other one. Just love you now and don't do anything about it. Then what's the purpose of existing? Right. And, and I tell, I tell my clients, okay, I challenge you to do that. Go stand in front of the mirror and say it a bunch of times. And it's kind of like what Tom Billiou says. I mean, it, it, it's great to, to speak positive things into you, but you're not going to feel any different. I mean, it's kind of why I do believe in working hard for it. I mean, we, we tell our kids this all the time. When do you feel your best? 
after you work hard for it. I mean, there's nothing better than the win against like your big brother that is normally so good at something. It's not great against the neighbor kid that never wins. 10 million percent. 10 million right. percent. I All right. By the way, when this comes out, I need to play that last part for my kiddos. Oh, so good. Thank <laughs> All right. You. So last thing, quick, just quick fun questions more so people can get to yeah. know you. I mean, one, they need to come follow you on your social media um, platforms, which is my first question. What is your favorite, like just to play or hang out? What's your favorite social media platform? <sighs> YouTube. Okay, YouTube. Uh, I should switch this year. I'm watching a lot more YouTube stuff, and um, some of it is really weird crap that I've been watching lately. So <laughs> you're down in some funnel. Well, yeah. one thing to tell your my audience too is you've got other content over on YouTube because I'll watch <laughs> some of your other clips that have been put yeah. back together. I mean, my favorite one is fueling your flame, yeah. but um, over on YouTube. What about books you're reading? What are you currently reading right now? Oh, what did you just finish I reading? Just, I, I can see it. I, I, uh, I, I read about five books at any given time. So I can tell you. I'm reading Focus by Daniel Goleman right now. Um, I'm, really, I'm reading How a Man Thinketh right now. And I'm reading a book. I wish I could show you. But I'm reading Speech. You know, I don't think you can see that. I'm reading Speeches That Change the World. Ooh. And it's made a big impact on me. The various different great speeches of all time. You, you know, Martin Luther King's my hero. And I've uncovered some of his uh, former speeches and I've been really enjoying that. And then um, I, uh, I'm writing a book right now. So I've been doing a lot of writing as I'm reading. So Wow. Okay. Well, speaking of books, I know that, you know, you have Max out your first book out. We have that one. Um, and anyone listening to this, I mean, we, we keep like 75 copies on hand because we really do like to give it out. We almost wondered if the kids at school, the, the teachers probably thought we were like in business with you because we're like, <laughs> my kids are like, this is personal development. It will change your life. It changed my parents' life. So, um, thank definitely. You so that makes my day. Thank you. I, it, you know what? It's straight to the point. Yeah, it's right clear. to the to the facts of what you need to be doing. And it's yeah. kind of like unlocking your success code, but just like the written yeah. version of it, right? Yeah. You know, that's right. Um, okay, one song that you never get sick of training to, like maybe an anchor. Like, is there a song that just gets you in your state? Thunderstruck, ACDC. I love it. Same song and, as my stage too. And favorite exercise in the gym? Whew. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't, I'm not going to lie to you. This is so bad. I'm going to get all this crap. I, I would say curls. Curls. Yeah. Hey, I'm a beach workout. I'm, a, I'm just being honest. I love, I love doing shoulders, but I would say curls. And what is the perfect cheat meal consist of? Because I mean, again, I already know like you're in great shape. So people never think you probably eat, you know? Yeah. Well, during Corona, I definitely am at that pushing of the three or four pound uh, dispersion. <laughs> my, if I could have an ultimate cheat meal, it would be, I'm Italian. So it's some, it's probably my mother's lasagna, but if I can't get it, the best pizza in the world. I have a real problem though. Like, I don't know if you know anybody like this. Like I can eat 30 pizzas straight. If you let me like, there's that carb addict thing where you don't know you're full. Like if you left a full pizza, I will eat the whole pizza. So for sure, it'd be something Italian. That's good. Right yeah. up my alley too. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here today and sharing just with my audience and just being such a light influence, inspiration to me. I can't thank you enough, Ed. 
I love you. And I feel very awkward hearing that from you because you are so much more than that. And I don't say that on every show I'm on. If you're in her audience, share her message and content. She's special, you guys. She is special. Share it. Thank you. So there you have it. <laughs> Lots of tears shed here on both parts. We both got very emotional. And you know what? It just showed me once again what an incredible person Ed Milet is. Thank you for joining in and tuning into this podcast episode. I look forward to seeing you on my future ones.